Welcome to the Room 214 Podcast. My name is Vinny Greco. My guest today is Tammy Wolpowitz, IB coordinator and assistant high school principal at North Broward Prep School. Tammy's an absolute veteran educator. She has experiences teaching multiple grade levels, teaching abroad, and now experiences as a college advisor and high school administrator. Tammy is also especially passionate about and well-versed in all things international baccalaureate. It's an absolute privilege to pick her brain today. So with that, Tammy, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Yeah, it has been a while since we've been on, and we're actually having some wonderful technical difficulties, so I appreciate Tammy's patience as I'm learning. I'm get these new mics, learning about them, uh, so we're actually on our second take. So Tammy, thanks for hanging out with me for an extra amount of time. Really appreciate it. Uh, first thing, I always ask our guests, and, and something that always gets me really excited to hear about is, is how we decided to become teachers, the the love story of, of how we got into education. So Uh, how did you decide to become a teacher? So when I was at college, I took quite a lot of classes in um, child psychology, uh, cognitive development, organizational psych, but I uh, I didn't major in that. And I went off to work in New York City in marketing for many years. And while I was there, I uh, enjoyed going to teacher's college at Columbia University for ongoing professional development outside of what my job was. And um, I one weekend went to a social and emotional learning seminar. And uh, while I was there, a principal offered me a job on the spot. I took a little while longer to think about it. Um, And then a few months later, I took a big leap and jumped straight into education. Wow. And what were you teaching? I was teaching maths. Awesome. What grade? Uh, When I started, I was teaching 9 through 12. Wow. Mostly 11 and 12. Gotcha. So the interesting part in in things that in in colleagues in the past and, and people at our school too, people who are able to jump from their role as teachers jump from the classroom to to being administrators and, and getting into leadership. What is that transition like? And I have to imagine that's a that's a loaded question. But talk a little bit about the steps that you feel like professionally you've taken, or or just how your day to day has changed. So I think the first thing I want to talk about is is the professional steps I took because I felt like I felt that as a teacher. Um, I had managed to get enough experience to be able to um, understand teachers and bring that perspective into um, an administration position. Uh, But I also felt like I needed to show that I was committed to learning because I think uh, as administrators, you know, we can't expect lifelong learners out of Um, our colleagues and our students if we ourselves are not demonstrating that. So I did um, study. I studied some things that were really sort of on my path to assistant principal. I studied some things that maybe didn't make sense at the time. So for example, yeah, yeah, so for example, I um, studied developing um, how you develop language. And it was really important for me to help math teachers understand over you know, the first 10 years while I was teaching, especially abroad, that English language does affect math learning. Sure. So um, something else that I studied was mindfulness. I also got really into technology. Um, things that didn't quite lead me towards an administration position, but actually just as growing in um, understanding of education in general. Which I think is important. and. 
those things that you're talking, you know, mindfulness and, and tech integration. We're, when you are a teacher, when you're an administrator, there has to be like a holistic approach to, to everything you do because there's such a big tent of responsibilities you have and expertise that I think we would expect of our administrators to have as well. So I think those things are really, really important. The number one reason I really wanted to sit down with you today, IB, all right? So I think our, and it's, it's appropriate, we just had we just had our second round of parent-teacher conferences, and we're always talking about placement for the next year. And, you know, we have seventh and eighth grade parents who want to know about, you know, the long-term plan. Right. And we can't even get out of trimester two. We got to see where they're going right. to college. And I get that. I get that excitement and, and kind of those nerves too. But kind of for the layman out there, what does IB truly stand for, represent as far as an educational experience? So if we look at IB as classes and not as the full diploma, um, what, the, what, what students are going to get out of it um, is a global perspective. They're going to think and they're going to learn to uh, use evidence to back up their thinking and they're going to learn to write. And they're going to do this regardless of the subject. So very often there's a stereotype where kids think, oh, in sciences or in maths, I don't need to be able to write. I just need to show an answer. And IB really, the philosophy behind IB really encourages students to learn, to express themselves. Um, and it's not only just in writing, but they learn how to express themselves doing a lot of presentations, a lot of collaboration, a lot of group work, very, very hands-on learning as well. And these are things that, to me, I hear them because I think, I'll, and it'll lead me to my next question, parents oftentimes they're asking like, what are the differences between IB and AP because they both have their rigor uh, I think I'm hearing more critical thinking skills, being able to express yourself in, in a lot of different modes. So to that, what what for you are the differences between those two really rigorous programs? And, and, um, and if you're a parent out there or a student, what kind of indicators would lead you to go one way or another? So, well, just just starting with the fact that IB classes are two years long, that lends itself to a different kind of learning than an AP class, which is one year long. It re the IB classes really require you to develop new kinds of thinking skills so you can retain and recall um, way longer after than in a typical AP class. Um, just also AP is a very fast paced learning at a high level with significant amount of multiple choice type questions sure. where IB um, is very in-depth learning. There's a few multiple choice tests, not many, and mostly written and oral uh, examinations. Um, I think the other piece is that if you are doing the diploma, IB is actually a full curriculum. And they're very, very careful to intertwine the the different subjects with each other. So if you are taking a lot of IB classes, you are starting to see connections between your learning, which wow. is very interdisciplinary, which is where the real learning happens. So a student who is in a Spanish language class might be learning about a social movement in, in a country outside of the United States 
while they're learning about something very similar in an English literature class, mm. or they might be um, learning something in economics class that they can then say has to do with social movements. So I think there's uh, where AP classes are just an individual AP class, IB classes really do intertwine. So, and I actually have this question written down, but I'm gonna, I'm gonna kind of move it here because that's where our conversation naturally has gone. What are the opportunities then for teachers across content areas within the, the confines of the IB program to collaborate on either really micro or macro scales? So the nice thing is that the collaboration is really built in a few ways. So one example is something called a group four project. Group four are the sciences. And IB feels like it's important for all the students who are taking science classes to work together in problem solving from their different perspectives within sciences. Mm. So there's a 10 hour project that the science teachers collaborate on together where the kids come in for the day and they're given a challenge and the teams are made up of the students from the different science classes. So our computer uh, science students, our design tech students, our um, ESS students, and our physics students, they all work together on some kind of design challenge. One year it was launching um, a, a Lego figure across the lake. Awesome. Um, last year it was getting a car across the entire floor of the 300 building from beginning to end so a model car so um, that kind of thinking is really built in to uh, the diploma also um, another example is the extended essay where the kids get to pick a topic that they want to write on and they get to pick an advisor mm. and so there's a lot of collaboration between advisors and between teachers on how we want kids to think how we want them to show their knowledge and while it's not just about content it's also about being consistent in expectations of sure. um, communication and and skill that sounds incredible, and and a lot of the things that that you're hearing, I think really we need to be working on, regardless of, of program. It's really good the connections we can make for students when we work together across content areas. For you then, and I, it sounds like this is one of the benefits of the IB program. Uh, but what for you are some of those benefits uh, that a student gets from having an IB diploma? So I'll I'll go right off what you just said, which is that. IB Diploma fits amazingly into the philosophy of North Broward. It fits into the philosophy of um, helping students find their voice. It fits into the philosophy of challenging them, of encouraging them to be risk takers, of encouraging them to find different ways to be knowledgeable. That being knowledgeable is actually important. Um, it, makes sure that they're principled. There is a big component of honesty and um, learning to cite where your evidence comes from. Um, all these pieces that us at North Broward think are so important for anyone in life. And the IB sort of packages it into a challenging program that um, allows kids to 
to really find those pieces connected somehow, mm. rather than searching them out from lots of different places. Evidence-based, fact-based uh, arguments and reports, that's terribly relevant right now. That really <laughs> speaks to me as a social studies teacher. Uh, what are some of your favorite aspects of IB course offering? So like, what kinds of courses are available for students, either diploma or non-diploma, and what are some of your favorites? So there is a myth out there that only some classes are available to only diploma kids. That's not true. All IB classes are available to all North Broward kids, whether you're doing the full diploma or not. Um, they, uh, let's see, it's really hard to say I have a favorite. I think the best part for me is that the IB diploma really encourages a very liberal arts approach to education. So you have to take a first language, but you also have to take a second language. Mm. You cannot get an IB diploma without two languages. You must take a math, you must take a science, and you must take a social science, and then you can, are very highly encouraged to take an arts. Um, the, the benefit of North Broward and the way that we offer the program is that you could be very passionate about a subject, really want to study that and not have to do the full diploma. Mm. So there are no minimum IB requirements. Um, we do work very closely with students who suddenly really love IB classes, but really aren't sure if they want to take the diploma. We'll work very closely with them to figure that out. But back to your question about what's my favorite, I think one of my favorite pieces about the diploma and if people followed me on Twitter, they would know this. So follow me on Twitter. I um, do. And you are a very good follower. This is true. Um, that there's a lot of connection to real life learning. So when I was in the economics class a few days ago, they had a real life simulation to demonstrate um, a theory and to see if what happened in their classroom actually matched the graphs that they were asked to learn about the night before. I find that that is my favorite part of the diploma, that um, they can pick whether they want to study global politics, which is within their lifetime, or history, which is before their lifetime, or economics, which is theory-based from a long time ago, but all the case studies are within five years. So I think my favorite part is that there just really is a chance to be passionate about something if you are passionate about a few things at a high level, you can do that. But if you're really passionate about a full diploma and a, a, a very big learning challenge, you can do that too. That's awesome. And we, the the thing we're always coming back to is the real world application to, to hear those things going on on the daily and there is incredible. Uh, what are the, uh, this, this, this is something that when I when I hear from parents, this is something that they're always very interested in. What are the qualifications uh, for a student who is either interested in, in just a class or two and, and then if they're interested in pursuing the diploma? So there are some, some indicators that teachers look for. So 
for, for me, the number one indicator of a student being able to be successful in an IB class is a recommendation from a teacher that they have before. And we're looking for, um, we're looking for traits in students that don't necessarily have to be already completely fully developed, but for students who are self-aware and who appreciate growth and learning, who understand that learning happens as a process, which translated into North Broward terms means bias into formative um, and mm. the importance of their formative assessments and um, the kind of feedback and learning that goes from formative comes from formative assessments. Um, we have students who have gone from uh, not having any AP classes into IB classes. We have students who have um, made a commitment to one class because they're just so passionate about it. Um, and again, I go a lot based on teacher recommendation. We are looking for students who believe that learning is important and that they're willing to do whatever it takes. They don't already have to know what it takes, but that they're willing to experience it as they go, take risks, be open-minded, and um, go for it. One of the things, when, we, when I hear go for it, I'm reminded of the CAS project. Mm. So, uh, and I got to participate a little bit in a CAS project this year. Absolutely awesome experience. Talk a little bit about this aspect of the diploma and why it's such a unique opportunity for students in that program. So IB really believes that we're launching global citizens into the world from high school. And um, we believe that too. So a requirement for the IB diploma uh, candidates is that they do what we call CAS. C stands for creativity. A stands for activity, which actually means sweating, like sweating activity. <laughs> and S stands for service. So over the 18 months that they're in the diploma, they really have to show a continuous commitment to those three pieces. Um, and those are what we call cast experiences. So kids might go on a beach cleanup. Someone might learn to play the guitar, having never learned it before. Um, they might join a gym. Um, really making sure that not only are they worrying about their own personal health, and we're talking social, emotional, and physical health, but also really starting to think about others. One of the requirements for the diploma is that they then have to do a CAS project, which includes, which includes two out of those three, if not all three of those aspects. So sure. they can do creativity plus activity, they could do activity plus service, or they could do creativity plus service. And they have to develop a project that um, is driven by themselves. There's really no rules except for it has to be collaborative. Um, and it needs to be something that shows that they had leadership and that it they were passionate about it. And it doesn't even have to work out. We've had plenty of kids come up with amazing ideas um, and really work through a project and it didn't work in the end. And the idea is also, IB really believes in reflection. So through this whole process, there was a lot of self-reflection. And sometimes we know the best reflection happens when things don't work out, sure. when you have challenges. Yes, absolutely. And so um, the CAS project really lets kids find something that they're passionate about and take it to the world. And sometimes it's on a global scale, sometimes it's on a school scale, sometimes it's very small in a personal scale. 
Um, and we've had really wonderful projects. I know the one you were involved in, um, but also other things outside of school uh, where students after a hurricane rebuilt uh, a garden that had mm. been destroyed, a public garden that had been destroyed by the hurricane. Um, we've had students uh, start lower school programs, the after school lower school program where students go in and read to them was started because of the CAS project. We've had kids do uh, teaching games uh, that come from different cultures. So this is also a chance to bring different cultures together. A lot of our students in the IB diploma come from different cultures. So sure. it's a chance for them to share that kind of learning with other people and advocacy. There are other projects that are advocacy projects where they feel so strongly about something. They really want to share that with the world. Absolutely. Such a cool experience. Such, such a cool experience. So moving away just a little bit from IB in general, talk a little bit, and this is definitely a loaded question and been quite some time since I've had to think about it or you know, write a college recommendation letter or anything like that, me being in middle school. Talk about the college application process. Um, what, should, what should students be doing, parents be doing? Talk about that emotional roller coaster a little bit and, and what you prioritize as you advise kids. So as I went through it, um, you know, I take a deep breath because I think that that's what the first thing I want to say to everyone is take a deep breath. Yes. Um, I think that that my my approach is that what we're doing with students is that we're helping them through even as early as late middle school and early high school, um, trying lots of different things and showing that um, they are interested in the world that they live in, that they want to give back, that they want to learn, um, that setbacks or setbacks and they figure out how to move forward after setbacks because those are okay um, and then as they get a little bit older to help them develop a story of who they are you know, one of the things I always say to students, especially the IB students or families who say to me, well, can IB help me get into college? Um, that's a big question is um, I say to them, does it make, does IB make sense in their story? Does mm -hmm. AP make sense in their story? Do these classes that they're picking make sense in the story? I remind students and parents that they are going to college. The stress comes from the expectation of where Correct. they're going to college um, and what they have to do to get there. There is no formula, and that's hard, especially someone who's a math teacher. I get it. Um, you know, what is the pathway? What is the formula we should follow to make sure that something happens? And um, I, there's no answer to that. But I really, really, I counsel kids um, as much as possible to be true to themselves, um, to know that their story doesn't have to be defined, that everybody's okay with them growing and learning, that they don't already have to be who they want to become. Um, there's a lot of pressure for kids. They feel like they already have to show the college that they can do college stuff before they get to college. Um, and so um, I think that from my perspective, like you said, I mean, we could do a whole show just on that. Yeah. Um, but from my perspective, and also from someone who is asked by a lot of 11th and 12th grade parents to really appreciate that journey, 
to make sure that relationships stay intact. There's a lot of stress that revolves around college applications and relationships between parents and kids and um, teachers can get stressful. Um, and it's really important to maintain relationships as well through the whole process and um, to expect the unexpected. Man, I'm getting I'm getting butterflies just thinking about it, mm. and 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 it is such an exciting, scary time. Yeah. So, what do you tell parents and students about when you're when you're looking when you're looking at particular schools? How do you advise them on on picking? I love the the way you put it. Your story, right? You know, uh, one doesn't have to go to Harvard or any just rigorous, uh, prestigious institution to have that be the right fit for them. So how do you advise parents and students on finding the right fit for them? So from a practical point of view, we actually have, I always start with um, just getting to know them Mm. um, and to help them know themselves, what they think their strengths are. Um, And then also talking about things like, are you okay not wearing flip-flops year-round? Will you be okay in cold weather? (laughs) Are you okay being... 3,000 miles away from your parents? Would you prefer Florida? Um, A a little bit more of a difficult conversation sometimes comes in about finances. And I believe in being very transparent from the beginning. One of the things I always say to kids is only apply to places that you want to go. So that's another piece of the fit. Do you actually want to go there? it's not always possible to visit. And some, so sometimes there's a, should we apply to places that we haven't visited? And I say, go for it, because you never know. Um, but I think that, you know, when it comes to choosing the right fit, I really go back to the student. Um, what do they appreciate? What do they want to appreciate? What do they want to get out of where they go? Do they have a long-term plan? Do they not? Um, the landscape looks very different now than it did when their parents applied to schools. So places that their parents could get in that were you know, very easy to get in are maybe not anymore. So mm-hmm. doing homework, doing research. Um, and I, it's very difficult because a lot of families start with a top 50 list. I always recommend staying as far away from that as possible. Um, but I do understand that there, that kids and families have goals that are different. So if that is their goal, then we really need to be honest about what the student has to do to get there. And, you know, that might mean making certain choices about what they do with their free time. Like maybe they do have to study harder for standardized testing. Mm. Um, nowadays, there are quite a lot of schools that are test optional. So if students um, don't feel that standardized testing is their strength, they can, you know, look at alternatives. So I think doing homework is really important. Um, but for the right fit, I always go back to what is your story and what is the story you're telling? If you're, we've heard this, I'll be really honest, we've heard this from colleges. They have said, you know, if a student applies, having done all these extracurricular activities in science and science club and pre-med club and AP sciences, and they apply specifically for a business college, there really has to be an explanation to that jump. 
Wow. Um, your story has to match your application. Um, it doesn't mean it's not possible. And mm -hmm. in fact, it might be a really cool ex explanation, um, but your story really has to make sense. And that's where fit comes from. Wow. So with all that in mind, and some uh, there's the stress aspect and, and really worrying about where you're going to go and what you're going to study and all that. When it boils down to it, what's the best part of working with those 11th and 12th graders as they as they begin this journey? What's your what are your favorite aspects of that process? Uh, they're amazing. I mean, there's so much that they have to deal with every day and just the the pure amount of information that they're being bombarded with every second um, is is for, and, and not just about school but just about everything the the world as as global as it is has shrunk in so many ways as well um, they are full of hope and full of energy. They want to learn. They uh, have a voice and really appreciate when you listen to them. Um, I value their opinions. Um, I'm learning all kinds of new words. I didn't think that <laughs> I would keep learning, but I keep learning. Um, and I, they're patient with me. When I'm not going to let you out of here without giving me an example <laughs> of one of these Peak 2020 words. Can you more, more, more it, along the lines of um, of uh, of abbreviations I'm supposed to use, or right. I use the wrong way, okay. or um, <laughs> I have been told that I use Facebook, which is a mom's platform. Ooh, yep. So I got into Snapchat and yeah. Instagram. Yeah. Um, yeah. And uh, so that I could understand their world. Uh, we got to um, get a Miss. We got to get a Miss Wolpowitz TikTok, and then we'll really be in business. I have an account. I haven't gone there. Yeah! yet. I haven't gone there uh, yet. I will. Awesome. I will. Um, I I just really appreciate them every day. Uh, I appreciate them when they have rough days. Um, I appreciate the trust that they put in us. Um, that they. You know, even when we're challenging them and we're challenging their voice and we're challenging their thoughts, that they uh, still come back and they still are interested in um, being the best they can be every day. And they are. They are the best that they can be that day. And I love them for it. That's awesome. Incredible. Unfortunately, that's all the time we have for today's show. Huge thank you again to Tammy for sitting down with me. I know how busy you are and how many hats you wear on campus. So again, thank you, thank you, thank you. When we come back from spring break, I'll sit down with Sarah Smith, psychology teacher at MBP. We'll discuss health, wellness, and how students of all ages can play a huge role in improving the conversation around mental health. You can listen to the Room 214 podcast on Apple Podcasts and SoundCloud. Thank you so much for listening. Please have a happy and restful spring break. And as always, this is Vinny Greco wishing you peace and much love.